Hello everyone, my name is Adu and this is Expats Exposed, honest conversations with expats around the globe. This podcast is brought to you by ReadyGo Expat. For videos about life in different countries, interviews with expats and travel guides, go to youtube.com forward slash ReadyGo Expat. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Expats Exposed podcast. This is the fourth episode and Today, I think I'm going to do something different because instead of inviting a friend or someone who lives in a different country to talk about their experience there, I thought, you know, um, it's the fourth episode. I'm exposing um, some friends here in this podcast. So I, I thought it was fair enough to like have my story now exposed here in the podcast because I lived the last almost five years in China and well, you understand why it was almost five years, uh, but actually the initial plan was to go there for only two years. So I think it's um, necessary for me to tell here uh, the story and, and share it with you so you understand a bit of my experience in China. Um, I am from Brazil. I was born in Brazil, spent most of my life in Brazil and, and worked um, for as an English teacher. So in the English language teaching industry for many, many years. And in 2014, I had worked as an English teacher in Brazil for 13 years. And at that time, actually, I was working as an academic manager um, in an English school in Brazil. And I just, I, I felt like I was stuck in a rut, to be honest, because I was really comfortable with my job, um, the pay and everything. And it's my hometown. So, you know, it was super comfortable. And I thought it was, it was July 2014 when I said, hey, listen, I... I need to go abroad. I need not only a new challenge professionally, but I need to go abroad because I've always wanted to live abroad. And before this, I think the only time I spent some time abroad, I mean, I've, I've traveled quite a, quite, a, quite a bit to like countries in South America, Europe and North America, but I, I thought it was like time to actually move abroad and stay longer than just two months or a month abroad. So um, I sat down with my boss in July, 2014 and he said, hey, listen, um, I'll stay here um, till July 2015. So I'll stay here for 12 more months. And at that time, and during this time, I'm going to help you find someone to replace me because I really need to move abroad. And he was like, so where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And I was like, honestly, I don't know where I'm going, but I know I'm going somewhere. Um, so that's what I told my boss. And he he was happy that I actually told him in advance, like 12 months before actually leaving. And I was, now it was time to think like where I was going to go. And at that time I was 33 years old and I thought, listen, I know I love Europe because I, I'm, I like the, the life, the European lifestyle, you know, I like the, the different cultures and languages and stuff. I know Europe has many problems, but I really like the, the, the lifestyle there. And, and I was like, I, I know I'm going to settle down in Europe, you know, um, at that time in 2014, when I was thinking where I was going to go, the plan was to move to Portugal, start an, an MA program there and settle down there and stay there or, or, or at least somewhere else in Europe. But Portugal was, um, I think, my option at that time. And I had I had enough money to move. I, I had just enough, I would say, to like move and uh, I wouldn't need to worry about work for like six months, you know, and then I would have to find a job and stuff. Um, but then I thought, listen, I'm only 33. Um, 
only 33 but yeah i was 33 i was still i was like i'm still young i know i'm gonna settle down in, in europe so i i want to i want to live an adventure like i want to go i want to travel somewhere you know and somewhere that i've never been before and and work there for you know two years and then i'll settle down in europe and i'll be 35 and that's okay that's what i'm gonna do so i started looking for jobs online and for someone like me i don't have a a, a passport from an english-speaking country so things are not super easy so i was looking for jobs online and i i remember i i tried i found jobs in turkey russia and china who would accept um who would give a work visa for teachers um, from non-native English speaking uh, teachers. So um, I remember I, I talked to the, I sent some emails to the, this job, um, the person responsible for this job in, in a university uh, in Turkey. I don't remember the city now. And also these two jobs in Russia, in Moscow. So, um, but then I, I thought, you know what, like China is, so far from brazil and we have a saying in brazil that if you translate it to english it would be something like when you want to say that something is never going to happen you say like no this would never happen neither here nor china because china is like for us is like the other side of the world and i was like listen i'm going for the adventure you know so i think china is somewhere that like i have no idea what happens there. I don't know what, what life is like there. I don't, I don't know anybody in China. Um, I don't know a word in Chinese. So I said, and, and the job market, uh, China had the, at that time, I think they still do like the largest, uh, job market for English language teachers. So I was like, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's going to be China, you know, two years adventure at, uh, because China is so big. I said, I cannot live only in one city there. And then go back and say, okay, I know China. I was like, I want to live in two different cities, one in the north and one in the south, and then you know, leave and go go and move to Europe. So that was the plan. I applied for this language school in Qingdao, which is the capital of Shandong province. In the map, it's kind of like one hour by plane. It's on the coast. It's one hour by plane to Beijing. Kind of one hour by plane to Beijing. One hour to Seoul in Korea, South Korea, and one hour to Shanghai. So. That's uh, where it is. I said, okay, I'm going to go there. I found this school uh, that the manager of the school was this guy, Daniel from England. He was married to Chinese citizen, Catherine. And I said, okay, that's where I'm going to go. So I packed, left in August, 2015. And I, I got there to Qingdao. Um, I remember my first, the first hours there were, very funny. First of all, because I had to fly to London. So from Brazil to Lisbon, Lisbon, London. And then from London, I flew to Beijing. And then I had to wait for six hours in Beijing to then fly to Qingdao. And I remember the first thing when I was at, was at Beijing uh, International Airport, I went to buy like coffee and a, a latte and a croissant. And I remember I stopped at the a shop like at the airport and i was like hi hello can i have a latte and a croissant and she was like uh and she just didn't reply she's like speaking sorry speaking chinese and i was like gosh this is the largest airport in the you know the capital city and they don't speak a word in english i was like no come on 
this is not gonna be easy but then she just gave me like this menu with english as well and i was like okay latte and then i just pointed to latte and croissant and then i got it paid i remember i stayed a few hours few hours there and i was just looking around the people and there was like practically no foreigners there you know and i was wow this is this is crazy um then i flew to Qingdao, and daniel was waiting for me at the airport took me to the apartment. I, I was going to share the apartment with two other teachers from the school. Uh, but when I got there, the one of the teachers was going to arrive the following day and the teacher who was already there, she she was out like she was out with the other um, co-workers from the from the school is going to work. So she was at a party. So I remember Daniel, Daniel was like, so are you hungry? Do you want to eat something? It, it was oh, just it was like 10 p.m., you know, and I was like, yeah, I am kind of hungry. I want to eat something. Okay, so let's go to a barbecue place. And we were, as we were walking, it was already like 10.30 p.m. and stuff. It was it was dark and it was a really dark area where we were walking like from the building like to this to this street where they had like barbecue on the street. And then I asked him, I was like, is it safe to just walk at, you know, this time? And he, and he looked at me and said, listen, anywhere in China, anytime it's super safe don't worry you can walk you can you know um so then we sat down at this place and we started drinking beer eating barbecue i remember the the smell of the barbecue like the spices the chinese spices you know um so different and especially comparing to like brazilian barbecue of course it's it's totally different and then we just started eating and he was showing me the dishes and explaining to me what i was eating and we were drinking beer and drinking beer and when we were about to leave, um, we there was this table with like some some taxi drivers eating and drinking as well. When we sat with them, he could speak fluent Chinese. I couldn't understand a word, but they were super nice and they 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 invited us over. We ate with them and, and drank more beer and and then he was like, "Oh, it's all of a sudden it was five thirty in the morning." He and then he was like, "God, do you want to see the school? We can walk there and stuff." So I walked to the school with him. And I, I saw the school and it's like, oh, it's here and stuff. And all right, then he took me back to the apartment and I just, you know, crashed and, and stuff. And that was my first few hours in China. And then the following day, the girl who was there at the apartment, she took me to the supermarket and it all started. Um, but yeah, this first year in China was really interesting because I was working for a language school. So I, I used to teach uh, kids, teenagers and adults. And in a way, it was very similar to what I was doing in Brazil because it was kind of the same setting, the same hours. But of course, it, I was for the first time teaching kids who could not speak my language. You know, I could only use China, uh, English with them because they, they, that's, they could only speak Chinese, of course, and they were learning English. So it was a big challenge in the beginning. We had 25, up to 25 hours per week of classes. Um, and the total number of hours is, I think, 40 hours. So we would work from 1 p.m. to 9 p.m., uh, Wednesday, Tuesday to Friday. And then on Saturday, I would work from 9 in the morning to 6 p.m. So that was uh, the, the, the hours there. And it was great because there were, there were 10, the total number of teachers, of foreign teachers was 10. So there were people from, five were from England, and the other five were from many different countries. And it was really interesting because mo most, like all of us, uh, were like kind of on the same boat because we we had all arrived in China, we were new there, 
we were finding out things at the same time. Um, it was a very busy schedule, but we still found time to like experience China, go to KTVs, which is karaoke bar, um, go to clubs, meet other expats, meet the locals, start learning Chinese together. It was all, it was a year of like, at least for the first six months, I would say it was like finding out about the country and like actually experiencing the country and, and trying to like know where, you know, where we were, we were standing and where we were stepping and stuff. And that was amazing. I'd say this first year was great. I learned a lot about, you know, Chinese culture and the people and um, even the like in the classes because I had adult students as well and teens. Um, we would have discussions and they would tell me about like traditional Chinese wedding, the traditions, the holidays, like the holidays in China, they don't, they celebrate like the, they celebrate nature. So you have like the spring festival and the mid autumn festival. And um, they told me about religion, about Buddhism, about uh, the concept of money in China, that they give monies in, in red envelopes for birthdays, weddings when the kid is born. And they told me about kids in China, the one child policy, actually in 2015, the year I got there, they had just changed the one child policy to, so that uh, mothers uh, could have two kids now. So families could have two kids in China. They actually changed that year in 2015 or end of 2014. So it was, you know, it was big for the country. Uh, it was a huge change. So I, I was having a great life there in Qingdao. The money was, was good. I could save a little bit, but I could also travel. So I traveled to many countries in China, uh, many countries, sorry, many cities in China, like Shanghai, Beijing. Um, I also uh, traveled to Korea, to South Korea, to Seoul for a long weekend. And yeah, Hong Kong, and it was, it was great there. Um, but then, remember I said two years here, one year in the North, one year in the South. So I started looking for jobs online when it was uh, close to the end of my contract. Um, in August 2016, just uh, before that, actually in May 2016, I was looking for, for new jobs and I found actually two good jobs in the South. One was in the city, I think it was Jinghua or Zhejiang, I don't remember now, but it, it's close to, Sh to Shanghai and Nanjing there. And the other one was in Nanchang, which is a city kind of like four hours and a half, I think, by train from Shanghai, high speed train. And it's kind of like central south of of China. Uh, I, I also there was one thing very important to mention is that I was kind of tired, um, like of the the busy schedule, because you know I would start the day at nine in the morning uh, at one p.m. planning classes, and then at three p.m. I would start teaching kids till like five, and then I would teach teenagers till six p.m. And then I would teach adults till 9 p.m. So it was tiring because every, every, cl every class was like one hour, 60 minutes for every class. And at the end of the day, I was kind of like feeling tired because it was, yeah, it was, it, it was tiring for me. So I said, you know what, I, and, and, and I was also feeling comfortable because as I said before, it was not that different, this job with the job in Brazil. So I was like, you know, I need another challenge. I'll try to find a job in like another another kind of uh, school. So the job in in the city near Shanghai was a job for uh, to work at a university. So I'll be teaching students uh, university, teaching them English, general English. And the job in Nanchang was to work at an international program. So an international program in China 
is it's high school, but um, different from the US in China, high school is only like 10th, 11th, 12th grade. So the last three years, and it's inside a public school, but it's an international program because the kids are not going to stay in China for university. They're going to go abroad for university. So my job was to actually, you know, teach them general English and also uh, get uh, IELTS, IELTS prep. So I was, I was going to get them ready to pass and get a high score in the IELTS exam. Um, I decided to go for the job in Nanchang because I thought that um, staying close to Shanghai and in that area was also a very wealthy region in China, you know. Um, Qingdao is super wealthy, super big, like um, there's new con constructions and everything everywhere, like um, new, they, they built the, the subway there just after I left and other things. So I wanted to go to Nanchang was the more like a, I don't want to say poor, but yeah, it's a poor uh, province. Uh, sorry, the, the province is called Jiangxi. Nanchang is the capital. It's a poor province. And, and I was like, you know, I'm going to go there. But then again, I was going to move somewhere else. After one year in China, I knew nobody in Nanchang. And I had to know, meet people, start all over again. It's a lot of, it takes a lot of energy. And, but I was, but I was still, I was a bit, I was a bit um, more comfortable just because after one year in China, you kind of understand how things work there, you know, and, and um, I could speak a bit of Mandarin. I knew, you know, uh, how to say where I lived. I knew uh, how to order, you know, basic stuff like the restaurant. And I, I, I wouldn't get lost anymore in a way. So because at the beginning, I had to walk with a piece of paper with the, my address written in Chinese so that people would understand. But yeah, so I moved to Nanchang got there um there was an apartment they had an apartment uh on campus so this time i was living on campus i was living alone in this really nice small apartment with a nice balcony and yeah it was great there i met my good friend lucas from the us we became really close friends and i think if it wasn't for him <laughs> i don't know how i would how i would have you know finished my my one year there in Nanchang because it was a lot of things happen, um, but yeah, it was it was great there. Again, they speak, they also spoke Mandarin, but it was a different kind of Mandarin. So kind of a few things that I that I had learned, I had to relearn and and, and all. The school was great because I would have up to sixteen. The salary was kind of the same, but I would have only up to sixteen classes at the school instead of my twenty five hours in in Qingdao. And up to sixteen classes, uh, each class was forty five minutes. And this was not a language school, as I said, it's an international program. So I wouldn't have to be like, you know, every class, uh, the, the students would need to like produce language, learn a new grammar structure and, you know, communicate and everything. There were some classes that was just, I would teach them writing, or it would be like a class where they would have to come up with ideas or work. We had a lot of group projects. It was really interesting. I was teaching a lot of grammar and I love teaching grammar. So it was really, really interesting. I love the kids. The classes were amazing. I wasn't working 16 classes a week. I was working an average of like nine to 12. So it was super chilled. Like on Tuesday, just for you to have an idea, on Tuesday I would work from eight till 10 in the morning. And that was it. <laughs> so I remember Lucas and I would go to Calado Coffee. It's a, it was, it's, it's a cafe there in China, in, in Nanchang. And we would go there, you know, grab a croissant, latte, and just chill and then walk to a restaurant to have lunch. It was so cool. We, we didn't have to be in school. 
when we were not teaching like so it was it was really great and yeah then i started getting like some kids uh for private classes you know um so i was teaching this group of uh, three boys private class and then i was teaching the one of the managers in the program asked me for private class i was teaching her class as well so i was making good money more than in Qingdao, and it was great it was great living there and um i remember in the beginning of 2017 matt from canada um wrote a message in the expat group uh, on wechat and he said hey guys i wanna i love trivia nights and you no know, pub quiz night and i want and i want to uh, make a, a trivia night here sorry a trivia night here in nanchang is anybody interested would anybody be interested to like you know we, maybe we could start a group and, and discuss and come up with ideas and, and all and you know my friends know how much i love quizzes and trivia and everything so i texted matt we started a group um and on wechat and then we met at a restaurant there were six of us um two from canada two from the us and i think there was me from brazil and a guy from mexico yeah it was great so we we, we started this trivia night it was really popular in the city there, there were days that it was on th it was always on thursday evening there were days that there were more than 60 people you know taking part it was huge it was, it was really really nice so I'm talking about Trivenet because that's where I met Angelique. She was one of the members of the group. She's American. And we just clicked. We became really, really close friends. Uh, when it was time for the renewal of my contract in Nanchang and uh, the international program. So listen, now I was, it, it was at the end of my contract. So it was already two years in China. My initial plan was just to leave, <laughs> you know, and go to Portugal and, and settle down there in Europe. But at that time, I had, you know, spent a bit of my money traveling around my savings, traveling around China and Asia. I was kind of really feeling really comfortable in China, you know, with friends, people that I really like. I knew like I, I, I felt really comfortable with the work, with teaching the students, getting them ready for university. Um, and I was feeling really good. And one thing very important happened, actually, it was one of the times that I left China to go to Brazil to visit my family, it was great. And then I stopped in Europe. It was also really great. But it's, it was when I got back to China that I sat down on the first night I, I, from the airport. I went to this barbecue place. I sat down, ordered barbecue, had a beer. And I was like, wow, this really feels like home. It was such a strange feeling because I was, you know, in Brazil where, you know, that was home for me. And then I was in Europe with good friends. And then I get to China and I'm like, no, this is home, you know? So that was my feeling at that time. That's why I was like, you know what? I, I, I think that I'm going to renew this contract and stay one more year. So, and I that would be my third year in China. So when I was about to renew, renew my contract, Angelique, this, this friend texted me, it was a Saturday afternoon. I was leaving, going somewhere for lunch. And she texted me and said, Hey, my Angelique was also working at the, she was a manager of an international program in Anchang. Okay as well. But this was a huge international program, not, not like mine. She texted me and said, Hey, I was talking to my boss here. And he also manages other international programs in cities, not very far from Nanchang, like one hour away or something. And he needs someone to this city in Fuzhou, which is 40 minutes by train from Nanchang to work there in the international program. Basically I'll be doing the same thing, but I would also be working with like, um, creating the syllabus and the course program. And he needs someone to work there to start like, you know, uh, next, next term, would you be interested? I'm like, well, 
I don't want to leave again, like the third time in China and leave again to another school, another city and start again. Of course, this city would not be far from Nanchang, like 40 minutes is nothing. You know, I could always come back and spend the weekends in Nanchang where, where I had met, you know, so many people. But I was like, Jesus, I don't know if I want to go. But I was like, you know what, let's, yeah, send him my, my, my WeChat number and I'll talk to him. The following day on Sunday, we met for lunch. Chris is his English name. And we sat down, he told me what I had to do. I mean, what the job role was and yeah, the position, the position was like kind of the same. Um, so I told him, listen, I'm only going to go there if I get a good raise because I have my friends here. I love Nanchan. Um, the school is about to renew the contract. I asked for a 30% raise and they want to give me 15%. And but I have private classes, I can make more money. And so that wouldn't be a problem, but I would only go to Fuzhou if if I could leave, if my day could end on Friday at midday, like I would be free so that I could take the train and get to Fuzhou and get to Nanchang to spend the weekend with my friends in the capital city. And he said, all right. So he gave me really good, you know, uh, offer. He accepted the Friday midday thing, finishing the, the week on, uh, on Fridays um, at midday. And, but he said, you can only sign for two years, not one, because it's not that simple. We're not a language school that you like, that you can stay like one year and then leave. It's a program and we need the teacher there and stuff. So you have to sign for two years. And then I was like, oh, my plan was to come to China for two years total. Now I was going to go for my third year. And he actually asked for for me to say third and fourth year. So I, I said I, I needed some time to think. And I thought things over. I talked to a couple of my good friends like Lucas, Angelique. Um, and yeah, I accepted it. So um, in September 2017, I moved to Fuzhou and started working there at the international program of Lingchuan number one middle school. Another big reason that made me stay was the fact that like now, because, you know, my salary was higher, much higher than when I started living in China. Uh, I thought, no, you know, I could actually save up a lot of money, transfer it to like a bank account um, in Portugal and start saving up so that I could start my life there. And I would have, uh, you know, actually good money saved. And then that, that is something that I never had in Brazil because, you know, in Brazil, even with uh, working as an academic manager, I could never save that much money, like never, ever. But in China, things are really good because you don't you don't only get like, it's not only about the, the salary you get, it's all the benefits that come with it. So I would have a round trip back to, you know, a round trip to Brazil every year, paid by the school. The apart I was uh, living rent-free. <laughs> These, all the time that I spent in China was rent-free, so I'll never pay for rent. The cost of living in China, is very low compared to Brazil or, or even like other, especially other countries in, in Europe or North America. So I was actually able to save a lot of money. And, and that was one thing that I was like thinking that maybe I should stay and, and, and do this um, as well. And as I said, like China was home for me at that time. So I stayed there. The job was great. Like the hours, I, I was working a bit more, but it was still really good because I, I lived 10 minute walk from the school. So it's a small city. It was really nice. And every weekend I could go back to Nanchang, the capital city, take a train that would cost me $4 uh, 
and go to Nanchang and spend the weekend with my friends. So it was really, really nice actually working there. My colleagues were amazing, amazing, like Gloria, Guan, Hong. There are only women there. Yeah, and just me and another teacher, uh, a foreign teacher. But yeah, it was great. I, I loved it there. Um, and that was it in 2017 and then the beginning of 2018. And then 2019, um, it was the end of my two-year contract. Um, and my boss, of course, sat with me to discuss if I was going to stay there longer and to rene renegotiate my contract. But something very interesting happened in 2019, in June 2019. Actually, it started happening just in 2018, but it was around June 2019 when many of my friends uh, left China, you know, for good. Many of my really, really close friends, including Angelique, for example, she left because, you know, she it was the end of her contract and she wanted to leave and go back to the U.S. or somewhere else. But other friends left because China changed the policy uh, of hiring um, English teachers. Now, for you to get a visa, a work visa as an English teacher, you would need a passport from an English speaking country, which is not my case. But because I was living in the countryside, not in the capital city, you know, I could stay there at least one year more. So I was able to stay one year more. But my friends who were living in Nanchang in the capital city, and I'm saying like, I would say that over 60% of my friends, uh, the foreigners, the expat community in Nanchang actually left, you know. So that was hard because it's kind of like, yeah, like your community, your friends, you know, um, it's not like your family is there in China. So, uh, so my friends, my close friends are kind of like my family. So they, most of them left. It was kind of tough, but I sat down with Chris to renegotiate my contract for to starting, which would start in September, 2019. And would, and he, he asked for two more years. So it would go until June, 2021, sat down with him, renegotiated a few things, the raise, what I would get and stuff. And it was, it was great. I would get paid more and I, you know, and I would have a few things changed. Um, but I think that I, I, I did agree with him. So I signed the contract. Um, so, so that would be my fifth and sixth year in China, which just, just saying this now, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so I signed, but then I remember when I left in 2019, when I left, uh, in the summer on holidays and I met up with my mom in Europe and also some friends in Europe, I kind of felt like I was, I, I was kind of missing, you know, the West, like as much as I love China and China was home for me, I was, I was missing like the West and feeling less a bit less of a foreigner in a country. Does that make sense? But I, I thought, no, I thought it was time to, to leave, you know, even though I had signed the contract, I, I thought, no, I, I cannot stay for two more years. So when I got back to China in September, I started the term and I was feeling uncomfortable and with the job was fine, but it, but I was not feeling like I was supposed to be, you know, there any longer. Um, but of course things just, you know, I kept doing everything that I had to do, work, see my friends and everything. A new friend, another friend arrived there, a really close friend from Brazil, Tati, who I've known for, I don't know, 15 plus years. She arrived there. She was working. Uh, she started working at a, at a school not far from where I was. So when it was December, 2019, I sat with Chris and told him, listen, 
I cannot stay for two more years. I'll finish the term. I'll finish the academic year in July 2020. And then I'm going to go to Portugal because I think it's time now. And he agreed with me. He was fine. No problems. I haven't, I didn't, you know, we were breaking the contract, but Chris was, Chris ended up being a friend. Um, so it was fine. I told, I told the other managers at the school, my coworkers, my students, uh, I mean, the students didn't know actually. Um, and the co, but the cowork, my, my colleagues knew that I was not, I was going to stay only for six more, you know, until the end of the term. So it was, then it was January, 2020. I, you know, there's a Chinese new year, which is the longest holiday we have there. And I had three weeks off. So I flew to Madrid, to Prague, actually, to meet up Susanna, who was, who was my friend, who is still my friend, who I met in Qingdao in, in my first year in China. And then I flew to Madrid to meet Erika and Ricardo, actually only Erika. Ricardo was already in Amsterdam, her husband. So I met up with Erika. And then I flew to Lisbon for two days. And it was there in Lisbon when I saw on TV saying this new virus in China. And I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, and then they, they, they called it coronavirus. I remember that two days later, I, I arrived in Brazil. And my friends were making fun of me and saying, oh, you brought the coronavirus to Brazil. Ha, ha, ha. And that was a funny joke. At that time, it was really funny. And then I was supposed to go back to China on February 5th, 2020. But in the situation in China was not really good with the coronavirus. Um, and I, and actually the province that I live, Jiangxi province borders, uh, the province, uh, of the city of Wuhan where the virus started. So the situation is not really good in China at that time. And then, so, so I actually canceled my ticket, but then I said, I'm going to wait a bit more. And then around end of March, beginning of April, the situation was under control in China and my boss asked me to go back. But then it was Europe that was doing really bad at that time, especially uh, Italy and Spain. So I told my boss, listen, for me to go to China, I need to fly via Europe because yeah, I had to fly via Europe. And I said, it's at least three flights, but usually four to get in Nanchang. And so I said, there's no way, like it's, it's very risky. And that's what, that was also when the situation started to get bad in Brazil, really bad. And I think it's still really bad actually in Brazil, it's December. 2020 and I think it's still really bad, but yeah. So I, I worked with the school teaching the kids online until July 15th, 2020. And that was when my contract ended and I didn't go back to China. But the thing is, it's now, it's been now almost a year since I left. I wasn't able to pack my stuff, pack everything that I had gathered for four and a half years in China. Someone had to do it for me, and I was just looking at it on the screen. I feel like I left, but there was no closure. And that's the worst part. Not being able to say goodbye to friends, not being able to say goodbye to colleagues, not being able to say goodbye to China, you know, and go to the places that I love and the restaurants and, the, you know, the everything there. I wasn't able to say goodbye. That was the worst part. A friend had to pack all my stuff. Yeah, and my suitcase is still there. It's It's... My suitcase is with Tati, my friend from Brazil, in her house, and, but, but it's still there. So I think that was the worst part of not being able to go back and, and have, you know, closure. But yeah, that, then I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, um, Tati wasn't able to bring my suitcase because, you know, borders are closed in many countries. I don't know when she's going to be able to leave China and meet me somewhere in Brazil or in Portugal. I am still in Brazil, but... 
I am moving to Portugal in March, I believe, 2021. After five years and a half now, I, I, I think that I'm finally moving to Portugal, which, which was my plan, you know, back in 2015. So only in 2021, that's actually going to happen. But I loved these uh, almost five years in China. It's cliche to say, but it was a life-changing experience. Not only I made good friends, not only I met amazing people, some of them that I, I'm still in touch and I'm sure we're going to be friends, you know, in the long run, we're still going to be in touch. Um, not only I experienced Chinese culture, but I would say more of Asian culture in general, going to different countries in Asia, but also meeting a lot of people from the Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, Singapore, Pakistan, India, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, like so many people that being from Brazil, I say they're on that side of the world. So that was amazing. That was the best thing about all these five years was everything that I was exposed to. And yeah, and that is the main reason why I started my YouTube channel, you know, Ready Go Expat, because I said, listen, I had no idea about that. I had no idea about all this beautiful, you know, this beautiful culture. And, and I had no idea about different habits and, and different people and different culture. And in a way, it's just so beautiful and that I'm, that I may, I'm able to experience it here, you know, experience there in China. So that was the best thing about it. It is, it was a life-changing experience. It made me open my eyes and see things from a different perspective and understand and respect more, you know, people from different backgrounds and judge a bit less, you know, and try to change my preconceived ideas of different cultures and different people and see that, yeah, things can be done in a different way. You know, we, there's not only one solution for every problem. So that was the best thing about it. Now, the other thing is that I've been in Brazil for almost a year now. And guess what? I've experienced reverse culture shock. The culture shock that I experienced in China when I got there at the beginning, now I kind of feel the reverse culture shock of being back to Brazil. But that is that is a long story and that is going to be uh, discussed in another episode. So I think I'm going to stop here about my China story. I hope you guys enjoyed it and I'll see you next time. For videos about life in different countries, interviews with expats and travel guides, go to youtube.com forward slash ready go expats.